Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. Good morning, and thank you for joining host Cheryl Esposito for an intriguing hour of Leading Conversations. Each week, Cheryl brings together big thinkers to the Voice America Business Channel. Now here's your host, Cheryl Esposito. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Leading Conversations today. This is Cheryl Esposito, and today we're asking you to imagine all the people living life in peace, and to help us do that is Gerilyn Brousseau, our very special guest. Gerilyn is a culinary and food designer and a food product development consultant, and she's also co-founder of two extraordinary organizations, each devoted to creating a world of peace through bridging cultures. One is Peace Table, and the other is Peace Trees Vietnam. Welcome to Leading Conversations, Gerilyn. Thank you, Cheryl. It's a pleasure to be with you. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. So tell us where you are today. Today I am in Seattle, Washington. Yeah. I'm looking across at the Olympic Mountain Range. Oh, how fantastic. I'm in a test kitchen today developing new products for a major food manufacturer. Oh, well, gosh. That's, you know, <laughs> what a fun job that must be. <laughs> it is. It's really fun to see great things on the shelves and know that they're good for you and um, bringing really great flavors to people's tables at home. Oh, that's great. So I, I'd like to jump right in here to um, the first thing that I ever knew about you, and that was way back when in the um, mid, I think early 90s actually, um, when you were, you, you had an organization called Peace Table, and that organization still exists. And But you had founded that organization specifically because of your um, desire to see peace happen and your connection to food. Can you talk a little bit about how that occurred and what that was really about? Yes, thank you for asking. Peace Table grew out of the fervent desire to build bridges of friendship with the Soviet people this was in the early to mid-80s when the Iron Curtain was firmly in place. I was uh, a mother, a daughter, a sister. I owned a um, family French bakery sidewalk cafe in Edmonds, Washington. And on an ordinary day, I was asked to host a delegation of visiting Soviets, the highest-ranking Soviet citizens who'd ever visited Seattle at that time. They came to a restaurant. The, the, it was an extraordinary day. We had prepared the morning guests. We had regular guests who came every single day, and I told them that Soviet citizens were coming that day, and everyone was really quite uh, excited and a little nervous because, after all, we had all these images of enemy, of the aggressor, of the Cold War, of duck and cover, of that how could we be friends with who we thought were our enemies, and yet they were coming to the restaurant. And as their van pulled up out in front, we had we had made a beautiful table in the center of the restaurant, and everyone was gathered around to welcome these five guests. And when I went out to greet them as they stepped out of the van, the first person out of the van was a kind of Russian 
earth mother, earth woman with this long dirndl skirt and long dark hair and beautiful round eyes and she looked at me and I looked down and she had her Soviet kind of Birkenstock sandals. This was a totally a different image than I could have ever imagined. Mm-hmm. And with one swoop, she embraced me in this gigantic hug. And that was my first image, my first experience ever of meeting who I had learned for so many years, so many years growing up as a child in the aftermath of World War II, the Korean War, the Cold War, all the times of my family listening to Don McNeil's Breakfast Club when I was a child and hearing him say, each in his own world, each in his own way, for a world united in peace, let us bow our heads and pray. All those moments were right there when Larissa Vasileva threw her arms open wide and hugged me. And that moment truly was a pivotal moment in my life. We welcomed the five of them into the restaurant, these beautiful Soviet people, and we talked about our families. We talked about their concerns about high blood pressure and smoking and what would they cook for dinner and their kids and about the university. We spent three days together in our small town of Edmonds, Washington. And in 1985, this was long before Glasnost and Perestroika, we had a a barbecue in the city park and people came and people from the town came and Larissa stood on the table she stepped up on the table and passionately recited Russian poetry and it was truly a life changing experience for so many people to meet Soviet citizens and as they were leaving Seattle to go to their next step I went to the airport with them and as they were leaving I, I just remember I had tears running off my chin thinking wow Ordinary people, more ordinary people like me, with their heels dug in, in fear, Mm. and in a kind of paralysis of there's nothing we can do, must have these ordinary moments of being with the Soviet people who we have heard, learned, and and really formed our own perceptions of as our adversary. And with just about that much preparation, as I was driving back to the restaurant that day, I was thinking, well, what what can I do? I'm not an academic. I'm not a widely published poet. I'm not a scientist. What can I do? And I thought, well, I'm a baker. A baker, I could meet a Soviet baker, and we would know each other's work. Mm-hmm. We would understand each other because bakers bake flour, water, yeast, and salt, and the alchemy with the baker's soul is what makes the morning bread. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, I thought, that's it. We must bring together bakers, cooks, farmers, growers, between the United States and the Soviet Union, the food communities, the food-producing communities, and connect with that very basic element of human life, that is, the growing, harvesting, and sharing of our culinary traditions and that is how Peace Table was born now you know I, I what I'm hearing in there is the connection of humanity the commonality of humanity and it makes me think that you know we hear stories about soldiers at war who may come face to face with quote the enemy and when they look into each other's eyes 
it's not the enemy, quote-unquote, they see. It's an individual person, oftentimes, and something shifts for them. Suddenly they say, we are both humans on this planet, and they begin to have a different sense of what they're doing there. Um, and, and I bring this up um, because I know that you have also a connection to the Vietnam War. Uh, can you talk about that a bit? Yes, I can. In 1969, my younger brother, Daniel Cheney, who was a first lieutenant in the U.S. Army, was shot down and killed as a Huey Cobra pilot in service in Vietnam. He died saving another pilot, and that was an extraordinary blessing that there is a pilot living whom my brother and his co-pilot died saving, and all these years later we have had the opportunity to actually connect with the surviving pilot. That's fantastic. Now, I know, I know that um, the love that you have for your brother and to further his legacy, you have also continued to do work in Vietnam, and you've co-founded another organization, Peace Trees Vietnam. Yes. Peace Trees Vietnam was born literally on the day that the United States and Vietnam established diplomatic relations on July 11th in 1995. On that day, my husband, my late husband, Damon Perry and I were on a plane flying from Berlin, Germany back to the U.S. Damon and I had just facilitated a conference on healing the wounds of war from World War II and people had come from many, many sides, many, many stories, many experiences many countries and cultures all interwoven in the impact of World War II. And on the 50th anniversary of the end of World War II, they came together to tell their stories and heal. And we had literally gotten on the plane in Berlin. I picked up the Herald Tribune, and the headlines said, U.S. normalizes with Vietnam. And I had a chill run down my spine. I turned to my husband, Dana, and said, it's time to go. The time has come. And I had waited for that moment. I had prayed for that moment to come since the moment I heard the news of my brother's death in 1969. When that news came in, it came in as the most tragic, incomprehensible news I had ever heard, that families could raise their children with love and care and tending and so much compassion and and potential. And then in a moment, that life is gone. Mm-hmm. And well, I hadn't... Why was it so important for you to go back to Vietnam or to go to Vietnam? Because in that moment, in 1969 the moment of my family's loss, I instantly connected with the losses that the Vietnamese families were experiencing. That there were losses from American families, there were losses from Vietnamese families, and I knew in that moment that somehow, someday, we must find a way to reach out a hand in friendship 
to the Vietnamese people underneath those images of enemy, underneath the difficult history in wartime, to find a way that would bring honor and dignity and respect for every family and all families who had lost their sons and daughters, mothers and fathers in that war. And that was the day that came on July 11, 1995. And we immediately began drawing on the very positive experiences of our Peace Trees program that we had been working with in many countries around the world. We had brought the work of Peace Table mm-hmm. and culinary tradition into the work of Peace Trees, which is the work of building bridges between former enemies, particularly young people, through planting trees somewhere in the world that needs environmental restoration. And we knew it was time... We're going to hear more about this when we come right back, Sherilyn. Talk about his money. Call us toll-free, 866-472-5790, and talk to the experts. We talk money all the time. Voice America Business. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. More and more business people recognize the importance of spirituality in their work. How do busy professionals discover what rings true for them? Embracing the journey with Karen Humphrey Salad explores what it means to be spiritually fulfilled in business and how to integrate spiritual direction into a career. Expert guests, authors, and inspiring speakers join Karen every week to discuss such issues as honesty, compassion, generosity, ethics, and integrity in the workplace. Take a positive step forward to greater life balance. Tune into Embracing the the journey with Karen Humphrey Salad, broadcasting every Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. Money, money, up-to-date business and financial news. Money, money, call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. We're speaking with Sherilyn Brousseau today, who is a food product development consultant and a culinary food designer and also co-founder of Peace Table and Peace Trees Vietnam. Um, Gerilyn, I love hearing your commitment to this concept of bridging cultures um, through finding commonality in, in the humanity of all of us. And um, you were speaking before break about 
Peace Table and Peace Trees Vietnam and about your connections to Peace Trees Vietnam and how that actually began. You had had an experience regarding planting trees around the world for humanitarian reasons, and that kind of spurred you to develop Peace Trees Vietnam. you want to talk more about that? Yes, yes. On July 11, 1995, on that plane ride from Berlin back to Seattle, when we read the news that the United States and Vietnam had normalized relations, that meant established diplomatic connections for the first time. I knew it was time to move, to reach out a hand in friendship to the Vietnamese people in a way that could restore honor and dignity and bring honor for all of the losses. And we wanted to draw on the rich, deep experience that we had been with young people from around the world planting trees and we would bring together kids who were bitter enemies at home Catholic and Protestant kids from Northern Ireland Israeli Palestinian kids inner city gang kids to plant trees somewhere in the world as a way to connect with their humanity and become global citizens and change agents when they return to their home countries and that richness is what birthed the possibility for Peace Trees Vietnam, which my husband, Damon Perry, who was a great visionary, and I both felt was the, that richness was what we wanted to bring to create an, uh, an approach to the Vietnamese people, to propose to the Vietnamese people that we sponsor clearing landmines and bombs remaining from the American War still millions in the countrysides of Vietnam as a tool to clear the land and begin to heal with the people by bringing Americans, veterans, their families, people from all over the world to plant trees with the Vietnamese people on land that had been battlegrounds in wartime. And that was the essence, that richness from those Peace Trees programs, 18 programs around the world, where we had kids cooking together, planting trees together, kids who at home were throwing firebombs at each other. That richness of the possibility of reconciliation, of the most bitter of enemies, bringing that to the possibility of, as you said earlier, looking into the eyes of the Vietnamese people and connecting under the most difficult, the most inhumane aspects of our history, but to find the very foundation of our humanity and look in each other's eyes and say, we can write a new chapter. And that was 12 years ago. Our actual anniversary of the day we launched Peace Trees Vietnam officially, November 12th, of 1995, so we're almost at our 12th anniversary, and we'll be having a big celebration and a luncheon in Seattle on November 12th, on November 6th, actually, to celebrate That's that day. That's great. That's great. So I imagine that when you are first beginning this, there are a lot of um, governmental processes that you must engage in, unless I mean, I, I don't imagine that you can just say, well, we're going to have this organization now, we're going to Vietnam, and we're going to, you know, just make this happen. What did you have to go through in order to make this happen? Well, actually, that's what we did. You did? 
Well, we kind of flew under the radar. Uh-huh. Um, this was just at the beginning of the door opening between yeah. the United States yeah. and Vietnam. We did not yet have an official embassy. The embassy um, was still the consular, and we did not have an ambassador yet. We had a charge d'affaires. But he, as Americans, we can create an idea for a non-governmental organization. We were already a non-profit organization registered with the IRS and a charitable organization in the United mm-hmm. States. We were doing programs all over the world, So, and yet we had not yet worked in Vietnam. Right. We met a Vietnam veteran who was living in Hanoi, and he offered to be our to work with us. We met the Vietnamese in uh, Charge d'Affaires before Ambassador in Washington, D.C. In fact, on November 12th, that day in 1995, once we had gathered 10 of our most visionary friends around a breakfast table and proposed our idea to them that we would, we wanted to approach the Vietnamese to offer sub- sponsorship of the clearance of landmines and bombs with them as the tool for clearing land and beginning to reforest and build friendships between Americans and Vietnamese people. Once we had launched that idea officially that day, my husband, Danan, flew to Washington, D.C. that very night because we'd heard there was going to be a reception at the consular of Vietnam the following day. And the Vietnamese people all still laugh when we tell them this story because he went there without an invitation. Mm-hmm. Now, normally there would, there would be protocol and an official invitation. Danan went to the door of the Vietnamese consul in Washington, D.C., and the um, Charge d'Affaires, Le Van Bang, who has since become one of our greatest advocates, was at the door. Danan was a very tall person. He was six feet, four inches tall. He went to Charge d'Affaires and introduced himself and proposed to him the idea that we would go to Hanoi to offer to work with the Vietnamese people to sponsor clearance of the explosive remnants of war and then bring Americans and international citizens to plant trees. Consular Le Bang welcomed Danan warmly, invited him in, and said, I will do everything to help you. Isn't that incredible? That is an incredible story. And having met Danan, I am not surprised. <laughs> he um, went and did that. He was um, clearly a man on a mission. And it seems like no matter what he was focused on in the moment, he was so committed to. And other people w- could feel that. And yes. I'm sure that um, the consular could also. Yes, um, he could. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I am curious about um, kind of the, the essence of what's happening today with landmines. Are there still a lot of landmines? I know there's other organizations. Yeah, I know there's a lot of other organizations who are also working on this problem. Um, But mm, so, talk about what's happening today. Yes, I'm very happy to. You're going to hear some sprinkles of rain Ah, on my rooftop. Yes, how nice. That's I'm in Seattle. In Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> the area that we have focused our efforts in for the past 12 years is Quang Tri Province, Vietnam. Mm-hmm. I imagine that many of your listeners will remember hearing that term either as children or as people in, who were young adults in wartime. 
Quang Tri Province has the grim distinction of being the most heavily bombed battleground in the history of the world. More ordnance was expended in Quang Tri Province than the combined Allied forces of World War II. It's estimated that between 12 and 15% of those munitions did not explode on impact or in combat, which means that there are millions and millions of unexploded bombs, landmines, rockets, grenades that lie in fields, in rice paddy fields, in ditches, in rivers, threatening the lives of children, of farmers every day. We are deeply, Peace Treaty Vietnam is deeply and profoundly committed to the clearance of landmines and unexploded ordnance in Vietnam and in central Vietnam, particularly Quang Tri Province, and to supporting the families who live every day with these risks and hazards. What is happening right now, this very moment, um, we have a team of 90 miners. Peace Trees has a mobile explosive ordnance disposal team of 90 miners. Our clearance team is currently being sponsored by the U.S. Department of State, we're very happy to say, Great. which allows us the actual demining. It's extremely costly to clear bombs and mines. It's estimated that it costs between 3 and $4 to manufacture a bomb or a mine and an estimated between $800 and $1,000 to remove one. In the month... $800 yes. to $1,000? Yes. In the month of September alone, our mobile demining team safely removed 3,000 landmines, bombs, mortars, and grenades from an area where 75,000 people are living all families with children. It is heartbreaking, and yet there is the possibility that clearance, I mean, that those 3,000 bombs could have, could have cost many lives. Right. Those are lives that have been spared. That is so fascinating. I, um, it makes me wonder, how do they live day to day with this fear? Yes. Well, that is a tragedy in itself. Mm -hmm. There is both fear and a daunting sense of there's nothing we can do. The accidents are unavoidable. Mm -hmm. So a big part of our work for the last 12 years has been developing programs for what is called mine risk education to develop accident prevention programs. We, our campaign is so every child will know. Every child knows the risk of those rusty, interesting objects mm -hmm. they may find along the road that look like a toy, right. and often a child picks one up, throws it, and it costs the lives of mm -hmm. that child and every child around them. So mine risk education is absolutely essential. Um, through the generosity of our donors around the world, we have built a school for landmines education that is actually... Um, designed to bring children from remote areas and give them many, many, many opportunities and ways to hear the message of landmine safety through art, music, drama. And we bring the children who have had accidents, children who've lost their arms and their legs and their eyes, to draw images 
to teach the other children to be ambassadors for landmine safety. This is it's extraordinary work, Sherilyn. Extraordinary. It is. We'll be back in a moment. Thank you. Talk about his money. Call us toll-free, 866-472-5790, and talk to the experts. We talk money all the time. Voice America Business. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. Hey, Dad. What? I can't get the ketchup bottle open. Here, let me try. There you go. Thanks. You don't have to be a hero to be a hero. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. The economy and financial markets continue to expand in both their size and complexity. But being able to anticipate changes in the markets for housing, jobs, and financial assets remains a crucial ingredient to our financial well-being. On the economy and the markets, with economist, investment strategist, portfolio manager, and host, Doug Cliggett, utilizes his 25 years of experience with that of his highly informed guests to provide clear, reasoned explanations of current events. To navigate the markets that influence our lives every day of the week, tune into The Economy and the Markets with Doug Cliggett, broadcasting each Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. The economy and the markets. Clear thoughts in a complex world. Stocks, bonds, 401ks, investments, refinancing. We can help you. Call now toll-free 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. We're speaking with Sherilyn Brousseau today, co-founder of Peace Trees Vietnam. And before break, Sherilyn, you were explaining to us um, the extreme dangers of the landmines that um, were not exploded, the unexploded ordinances, as you call them, um, that are still in the ground, in the farmland, in Vietnam, in, in many other provinces, and how children actually find these. They stumble upon them and think they are toys and perhaps pick them up, throw them, and, of course, the results are tragic. Um, and I... I believe I've read that to date your NGO, Peace Trees Vietnam, has actually removed about 13,000 of those bombs and planted about 32,000 trees. Is that right? 
Yes, we actually have some updates to those figures, Cheryl. We've oh, removed up to uh, right at 23,000 oh, landmines, oh bombs, pieces of underground, thanks to our demining team in the last 24 months. That's fantastic. The team is finding extraordinary numbers of bombs, mines. Some of the bombs are 250 pounds. This and some of the landmines are landmines that would take out a tank, you know, so you can imagine what it would do to a child. It is a situation that, as an American, I feel profoundly committed to standing alongside for the resolution of that. As the Vietnamese say in the most understated way, modeling the amazing forgiveness that we have experienced so many times, the Vietnamese say, the United States and Vietnam have had a difficult history. And in honor and respect of the people who live every day with that difficult history, Petrie's Vietnam is dedicated to clearing bombs and mines, to supporting families who have these risks every day, and to our mine risk education, and also to providing assistance when a family suffers an accident. Our, our program manager, Kwong Lee, and our staff go immediately to the family with support, whether it's the medical support directly or if that family has lost one of its members, supporting them with food and helping them get back on their feet. And it is a way that uh, we can be of the deepest service to acknowledge that we have every reason to work together mm -hmm. and to clear so that they have farmlands to farm and their paddy fields are safe and these children, these little angels, these little, little beautiful children can live safely. One area that um, we are working passionately on is an area that was um, a 40-acre site, one of the fieriest battlegrounds of the war and we have sponsored clearance of that land and we're in the final stages of building a village for 100 families, 100 homes, families who have had accidents from unexploded ordnance, families who had lost their homes in war or been permanently displaced. And we're bringing those families in. The village is almost complete now, 100 homes. A school has been built on the land by a veteran who served there. Um, in honor of his two classmates from Princeton. The children have room to run and play freely and safely. They have electricity and drinking water. And now we're bringing university students to work together with the villagers. And, and in July, the University of Washington students built a beautiful park in this village for the villagers to rest. So every step, every single act is focused toward deepening and strengthening the relationship through supporting the lives of the Vietnamese people. That is so beautiful. I'm so touched by this work and by, again, your commitment is so strong. In the face of something that could seem um, completely overwhelming, as you said earlier, the, there are millions and millions of um, unexploded ordinances still uh, in the ground in Vietnam. And... I know that other organizations have also um, worked on this issue. Are there do you, are there any numbers in terms of you know the total of um, bombs that have been removed and mines that have been removed uh, over time between all of the organizations? Are there any numbers around that? That's a great question. 
It's a great question. We all know one thing, that it will take at least 25 years. It will. To clear. Mm-hmm. Wow. So that's whatever we've cleared so far. Wow. That, yeah. you know, that, that it's very slow when you think about um, one D minor with one detector, uh-huh. it, and it's very, very slow, mm-hmm. very focused work. So it, it occurs in time. And our prayer is that there will be more organizations and more resources. And one of the things that are really needed are resources for landmine clearance. It's extremely costly work. In fact, our program manager and our Department of Foreign Affairs um, official are coming to Seattle in two weeks. And we'll be meeting with donors, meeting with um, organizations to discuss possible uh, resources for increasing our demining efforts. It's called Mine Action designated by the United Nations, mine action is clearance of landmines and bombs, survivor assistance when there are accidents supporting the survivors in recovery, and mine risk education. So the three steps are essential for full mine action. And our program manager and our Department of Foreign Affairs officials are coming to discuss this with donors here in Seattle and in the area. So, increase you know, in revenue. It occurs to me that this this volunteer role that many people want to do could be highly dangerous. Hmm. Well, the demining itself is all conducted by highly trained deminers. Um, they are all engineers through the Vietnamese Ministry of Defense at the provincial level. So they are highly trained and they're they're paid well. Our funding covers everything that a deminer needs for their safety that we everything we can assure, do to assure the safety of a deminer the most up to date equipment the most up to date training their emotional and physical well-being their nourishment their medical support everything they need for their well-being is provided as part of the sponsorship so they are trained professionals americans are in support of these efforts so when our tree planters go to plant trees on the land, they are planting trees on land that has been cleared, quality assessed for 99% safety, which is the highest figure that can be given mm-hmm. to assure safety. Sure. And then the deminers themselves dig the holes for planting the trees. Isn't that beautiful? That is amazing. <laughs> and it must so, be so satisfying for the deminers to be... Um, seeing full circle what's going yes. on there. Yeah. Yes, and the act of planting a tree on land that was a very fiery battleground is a holy and sacred act. Uh, two nights ago, my mother and I were looking at photographs. My mother is 87. She is our full-time volunteer now for 12 years in our office. My mother lost her only son in Vietnam. And this is her pathway of service and reconciliation is volunteering full-time with Peace Trees Vietnam. And she does all of our our um, mail, all of our bank deposits. She transfers all the funds to Vietnam because we raise every single penny of our revenues are raised in, in the United States and then sent to Vietnam to fund every aspect of our program. And Mother had pulled some photographs from the file, and there was the, a photo of the original tree, the 
very first tree we planted in 1996. And it brought to mind the story of that first tree, which was an incredible story. On the night I was leaving for Vietnam on our first tree planting delegation, my mother brought to me my brother's service medals from Vietnam that were presented to my family when my brother was killed. Mother asked if I would present my brother's medals in deepest reconciliation to the Vietnamese people and plant them under the first tree. That is beautiful. What was that like? It was a moment I couldn't imagine. Mm. I'm sure that everyone there was touched. It was this dream of peace that I've had since I was a child. The dream that no matter how deep the injury, no matter how grievous the wound, that while we are here as humans, we have the opportunity to heal and reconcile. Mm. And truly, I truly recognize that that gift came to me from the spirit of healing and connection that was generated around my family's farmhouse table. Mm. Truly. My father had just returned from World War II. My my brother had just been born. All in the, the aftermath of those difficult wars. And there was something about being a very young child and hearing all stories, war, images. Um, I remember on Christmas Eve in 1947, uh, I was I was four the year my brother was born and I heard the radio announcer say at maybe six or seven at night it's already Christmas morning in Korea and the soldiers are away from their families Hmm. and that struck me so deeply at four years old at four years old that and something told me that somehow some way on this planet to find peace And in that moment of presenting my brother's medals to Mr. Hua, the vice chairman of Kwangtri Province, in the middle of what was the DMZ in wartime, that indeed it is possible. It was grace that brought us to Vietnam. It was grace that allows us to work with the Vietnamese people. It is a privilege beyond anything that words can describe to work literally alongside the people, to have dinner together, to drink a beer together, create friends. We're friends now. That's fantastic. We'll be right back. Talk about his money. Call us toll free, 866 472 5790, and talk to the experts. We talk money all the time. Voice America Business. 
Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexasaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. Why is Pepsi cooler than Coke? Why are iPods so popular? In 2005, how can you launch a successful brand? Want to know? Learn about the fascinating and intriguing world of graphic design and branding on Design Matters with Debbie Millman. Every Friday at 12 Pacific Standard Time, Debbie Millman will provide you with a provocative look into the stimulating world of design as it intersects with contemporary culture. Hear what the experts have to say about creating, maintaining, and launching the brand in today's challenging marketplace. Join us every Friday at 12 Pacific Standard Time for Design Matters with Debbie Millman, right here on the Bottom Line in Business Talk, Voice America Business. Talk about his money. Call us toll free, 866-472-5790 and talk to the experts. We talk money all the time. Voice America Business. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. We're speaking with Gerilyn Brousseau today. Imagine all the people living life in peace. And Gerilyn, it's really clear to me you can imagine that. You have been imagining that since you were, as you said, a four-year-old sitting around your farm table in the kitchen. Um, and having had a father who served in World War II um, and with the, the voice of the war, you know, that's what I, I imagine it was like. Um, with so much of the radio and the, the messages that were coming into the homes, uh, the U.S. homes around World War II and what was happening, the voice of the war was very loud. You know, people were affected every day in their daily life by um, family members being sent to war, by someone they knew, by businesses changing, by um, women having to go to work when they typically didn't. And, um, you know, it seems to me today that even though we are at war, I suppose there are some people who say it's not war, but it is war that we are at in Iraq, um, that it is different. Somehow we think, as a society, we don't have that sense that um, that how can I say this? We don't have that sense that that literally this war is affecting us day to day. I think the only people who really have that sense are people who have family members or friends in Iraq at this moment. Um, you know, because most of us kind of live our daily lives, and most things mm-hmm. haven't changed for us. So how do we how do we change that perception? in our society. You know, we don't have the the messages that were unusual. We've almost become desensitized to the idea that we are at war as a society. You have thoughts about that? I do. I, I have the same um, sense that you have that 
there's a kind of numbing. It's in me as well. I can I, I sense it in myself as well. The, the news coming in, honestly, when the news of the death tolls and the casualties, and I live in Seattle near Fort Lewis, and so many of the brigades have been from Fort Lewis. There have been so many losses. And honestly, and, and my mother and I speak about this so often for my mother. This is war after war after war. And the way that it's heartbreaking at a level that's almost unspeakable. And that's the level, I would say, my own sense is. The losses are unspeakable, and there's a sense of what can we do, a kind of resignation, which is honestly how I felt. I have felt a good part of my own life. And yet there was something underneath it that was this fire of possibility that really opened the door to working with the Vietnamese people. As I think about your question and really look into the roots of that question, it takes me to Quang Tri Province, mm. where it is possible it is not beyond our reach to heal, to clear the land, to really, in a practical, in a practical and spiritual level, reverse the consequences of war. We cannot change what's in the hearts of the people. We can work to reconcile and to heal the spirits. We can work to reconcile and heal the remarkable damage to the land. Yeah. Well, you know, and I, I, when I look at what you've done, you took something that you knew, which was the food industry, and something that was very close to your heart, which was nourishing spirit and nourishing bodies, you know, through um, food that was created with love. You began with that in your creation of Peace Table, Yes. And, and, you know, you said, what do I know? What can I do? And it sounds to me like you're saying um, to others that, that that's possible for them, too. What do they know, and how can they apply it to make a difference? Um, yes. Yeah. And, and, you know, your story in the beginning when you talked about um, five um, Soviet citizens that you sat down with, that you introduced to the community, that... Um, you had a big gathering celebration with the community, um, and, and it was only five people. And oftentimes people think, well, what can I do because it's such a big, overwhelming problem, and I couldn't make a difference in that big, overwhelming problem. And the reality is making a difference to one person is the beginning. That's how you start. And it sounds like you just decided that that was it. That was, you were just going to do it anyway. Well, it just came to me. Mm-hmm. as, And I think, honestly, I've been really thinking about this um, lately. What gives us courage? Like what, build, what are the building blocks of courage and that whatever it is quality to mm-hmm. stick our necks out? Yeah. Oh, I want to encourage all your listeners to look up the Giraffe Project. The Giraffe Project is an extraordinary organization that acknowledges people who stick their necks out for the common good. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So 
you were that's... awarded a, a giraffe, <laughs> I believe, a giraffe award. Long ago. Sticking your yes. neck out, yes. <laughs> yeah. And that, what is that quality that creates courage, like to take that step? Mm. And I feel honestly that it was the comfort, the level of confidence that came in all those times of baking with my grandmother in her farm kitchen where she would pick up these little bits of dough and weave them into morsels of what we like to call essential goodness. Mm. Everything she made tasted just like love. And when that was my imprint was weaving and twisting and that's how cinnamon rolls got to be such a part of my lineage. Well, and and let's just tell everybody that those cinnamon rolls ended up being Cinnabons. And so, (laughs) you know, you were very much instrumental in the creation of Cinnabon. And people enjoy those wonderful cinnamon rolls every day of their life. You know, um, you can smell them as you're walking down any mall in the U.S. And um, But I think that what you're saying, though, is that the reverence with which the food was created and the love put into it was what built in you a reverence for for life and for whatever yes. you were doing. And yes. you have taken that and you have incorporated that into all all areas of your life. And certainly for me, my experience with you um, is pure grace every time we have an interaction. And I mm, am absolutely um, honored to know you and to... Um, know the extraordinary work you are doing. You're an extraordinary human being, and we can all learn from you. And I um, so, so appreciate that you're here. And we are coming to the end of our time together today. It has really flown by. Um, (laughs) And I... You know, I really encourage people to um, investigate your work more, to learn how they can learn from you and to um, volunteer or donate to your organizations. What is What are the websites that people can go to? Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Charlotte. We would love to invite your listeners to come with us on a tree planting trip or come to Seattle for our beautiful 12th anniversary luncheon on November 6th or in any way they might like to be involved, our website is www.peacetreesvietnam, all one word, dot O-R-G, peacetreesvietnam and O-R-G. There's background information. Um, we also have online giving. If people would like to contribute to our landline removal programs, we would be incredibly grateful if they'd like to have a tree planted in honor of a loved one. Mm-hmm. They could do that as a Christmas or a holiday gift. That's lovely. That's wonderful. And a great pleasure to be with you, Cheryl, oh, and to have an opportunity to to be with you and with your listeners and the inspiration that all of us have inside us to take what has been maybe one of the most difficult experiences in our lives. Mm-hmm to transform that into a gift to the world. And you have done that. Geraldine Brousseau, thank you for being with us today. Remember, everyone, think big. The world will be a better place because of a conversation that matters. This is Cheryl Esposito.
Thank you for spending this hour with Cheryl Esposito and Leading Conversations. You can listen live every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you have a question or comment for Cheryl, please email her at leadingconversations at alexaconsulting.com. That's L-E-A-D-I-N-G-C-O-N-V-E-R-S-A-T-I-O-N-S at A-L-E-X-S-A-C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G.com. See you next week.